This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science. What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley. And me, Daniel Lakens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In today's episode, we continue our conversation about pre-registration. How flexible can we be when we pre-register without increasing flexibility in our analysis? How well do people actually pre-register and what does a good pre-registration look like? And how do we deal with the need to deviate from pre-registrations? Enjoy. Okay, Daniel, so in the last episode, we sort of ended on this uh, tension between confirmatory and exploratory research. And I guess if we agree, and maybe we don't, that oh, there's a distinction between confirmatory versus exploratory, people will say that pre-registrations don't really make sense in an exploratory context. Like you really can't pre-register stuff if you're conducting mm-hmm. exploratory research. And that, the, you know, your traditional sort of hypothesis testing methods and p-values don't really are kind of meaningless in that, in that context. But then what other options do we have, right? I mean, even if you're doing mm. exploratory research, you still have to test whether your items are working correctly. You have to run little checks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we do rely on p-values even, even mm-hmm. in those cases to, to come up, you know, to, to, to get some conclusions about the data. So we can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. But like, what do, do we have any other options? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? Yeah, yeah. Well, we just treat exploratory research as inferior. Okay. And and if you do that, that's fine. You can maybe publish it in a very lowly journal. Oh, my God. So, but this is, of course, what people are worried about. Yeah. Right? And this is what we talked, Hmm. this is what we talked about in our Snob Business episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sort of treating, treating exploratory research as inferior, which you think is a valid Thing to, like it's correct in this case to think of exploratory no. research as a <laughs> okay no i was just joking let <laughs> okay, me be okay. very clear about this let <laughs> me be very clear about this okay. but this is a worry that people have mm-hmm. um yeah. that, that um, exploratory research will be seen as unimportant and mm-hmm. um now uh first of all the fact that this exploratory research or mm-hmm. more exploratory research, let's put it like this, or explicitly stating that research is exploratory, mm-hmm. that this is deen as, as as seen as a bad practice, mm-hmm. is very old. There's a quote by Dubin, I believe, in his mm-hmm. book on theory building, where he says something like, if you uh, say this is mere descriptive research, mm-hmm. that it's basically, uh, you know, okay, that's, that means, makes it worthless or something. And this <sighs> is somewhere in the 60s, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's always been this slightly negative view on exploratory research. Let's yeah. get that out of the way. But yeah. you could say this makes it worse, you know, because now we have a lot of confirmatory tests or, mm-hmm. you know, severely tested claims. And mm-hmm. we find those even more valuable. Now, your what do we do with this? Well, I think, first of all, we acknowledge that we need much more exploratory research for every hypothesis test hmm. than we are doing now. Having a very good test of a prediction 
requires a lot of input. And you, last mm. episode, you talked about the derivation chain. So mm-hmm. where are we yeah. deriving things from? Where are we making hypotheses about what our measures are supposed to do or whether mm-hmm. our data is normally distributed or not or mm-hmm. all the things that we sort of need to know to select a test? Right. Well, we get it from having collected some data, described it, you know, plotted some data sets or looked mm-hmm. at stuff. And we collect some facts and then slowly from there build theories that are testable. Mm. And now we often just come up out of nowhere with some sort of prediction yeah. and it's not really based on anything or derived from anything. So so that's the first thing I think we should do. Mm. Say, hey, we can't just pull things out of thin air. We need to make space also in our top journals, of course, because you know you don't delegate that to lower journals because then nobody's going to do it. So in our top journals, we need exploration much more than we have it now. Yeah, and that's the tricky thing, right? Because I have heard people having a hard time publishing, for example, instrument mm-hmm. validation reports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or yeah. like, where would all of this go? Like, I mean, I think you're totally right that you should be testing you know, the initial, like the assumptions that go into your theory and all of those things before you yeah. confirm a particular hypothesis. But then, yeah, where does all that, does it just go in a supplement? Um, yeah. Or does it go no, as like... You're, st- you're completely yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Where, where right. does it go? Where but also, it go? also, also who does it? Because in the typical time span of a PhD, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to do some work. And if we only count those hypotheses testing papers as the real output. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't in a couple of years develop a measure and do all this exploratory work and then test it. This is why people jump to the tests immediately, (laughs) right? And again, I mean, they might be building on very well-established research lines Mm -hmm. and then somebody else has done this in the past. Great, because that's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, some novel questions. Uh, people have to do this exploratory work. And it's just, yeah, the measurement validation part. It's difficult to do and not very um, um, uh, rewarded. And yeah. even, so we, we had a project recently where we did some measurement validation. We mm-hmm. did a first part of the measurement validation. And in our project, we said, look, this is so much work that you've done here. This is basically mm-hmm. in its, this is a chapter of the PhD. Mm-hmm. We don't have the measure yet. But up to the point where you basically did all the item selection and Mm -hmm. you had experts look at which items should we kick out and, you Mm -hmm. know, but we didn't validate it yet. But the item creation part was so much work. We said, Mm. hey, this is basically a part of the chapter. Mm -hmm. And then the PhD student tried to submit it. And what do journals say? <laughs> Could you also please do the measurement validation part? Because right. we would like the whole package, not just yeah. the half. And I and I agree. And we yeah. all agreed. Like, yes, this is half of the work that needs mm-hmm. to be done. But yeah. also this person needs to complete their PhD sooner or yeah. later. And how much more time can we spend on this given the time they have? You know. Mm. So I think this is a really important question. Where does this go? Who does it? How much time do they have for it? Right. But so I would even say, I mean, you were asking, where do we publish those measurement mm-hmm. validation papers? I would even say, where where do we publish the first half <laughs> of measurement validation papers sometimes? Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely not easy. Um, and even if you're doing, let's say you've even done the whole validation and then you've done an exploratory study to, to see whether there are, you know, simple correlations between the things that you're trying to mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, people don't value that either, at least in the top journals, right? That's not no, that's not good no. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And other fields do this slightly differently, I think. So there are, um, in medicine, there are mm -hmm. many papers, if you search for it, that will just say a feasibility study into topic X. So, and they're mm -hmm. published feasibility studies. So this is not even, I would say, um, descriptive yet. Mm -hmm. This is just, okay, we have a, a method. We would mm -hmm. like our participants to perform mathematical uh, calculations hanging upside down um, <laughs> while uh, whatever, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and, and uh -huh. this is just a test uh -huh. with 10 people if they can do it. And, and we say, mm -hmm. yeah, they can do it. That's our paper. And then they would have an exploratory uh -huh. study you know, uh -huh. so they would publish an yeah. exploratory study after this and they would right. call it this. Hmm. So in some fields, this happens and they realize data collection takes a lot of time. And uh, this is yeah. an important part and you need to allow people to publish it. And sure, I think in the medical uh, community, probably, you know, this feasibility study is not going to end up in the Lancet <laughs> or some yeah. top journal in their field, uh -huh. but it's fine. It's yeah. good enough for PhD work and they, you know, so it's, we don't even have this. So that would no. be a good starting point, you know. And yeah, and one way to help, one thing that would help the field overall is if we just had better validated measures that we totally. all agreed on, you know, like mm -hmm. at least in our discipline, it's such yeah. a free for all, which makes me so yeah. sad. And I think, and, and this is just my, perception but tell me if you think i'm wrong but i think people did a lot more work on validating instruments back then um you know back like 40 50 years ago than they do now like you see a lot more sort of you know bigger mm -hmm. measures with a lot more work behind them just you know like collection of researchers working together and testing it over and over and refining the instruments nowadays mm -hmm. it's a lot more you know, people are just creating yeah. tasks and creating measures. I mean, there are certain, of course, standard yeah. ones, right? Like you see things like yeah, the yeah. Stroop task yeah, yeah. being used a lot and you see, right? There's mm -hmm. some definitely that, um, yeah. and some that are used a lot that shouldn't be used a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but other than that, I think, right, people yeah. come up with new names for constructs and mm -hmm. then they just write. And I'm, again, totally guilty of this too. So I'm not saying... Um, yeah. I'm that I'm any yeah. better, but it's just so so such a norm to sort of not validate yeah. tasks that we do and not think of. And that's yeah, maybe we should do an episode episode on measurement because I think it's mm -hmm. such a fundamental thing that we don't mm -hmm. think about mm -hmm. at all. And as you're saying, right, it affects your measurement can yeah. lead to all these issues later on. If you have huge measurement error, it could also maybe yeah. feed into unreliable results, right? If you just have massive yeah, yeah. measurement error. So it's a, such a big issue that if we did a better agree, job as a, as a whole working on developing yeah. better measures, we would all be a little better off, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we discussed it a little bit in the episode on quantification, right. the second part yeah. of this. Yeah. Uh, I was just reminded of this because I got an email from somebody, uh, oh, nice. I think just two days ago, saying yeah. that your part basically on this oh, yeah. was so uh -huh. nice that we oh, discussed how you. to do it well, basically, you know, how to have yeah. numbers that mean something. Nice. Um, just, just to tie this back to pre-registration. So mm -hmm. one reason why people say pre-registration is very difficult for them is because mm -hmm. they say, yeah, but what if I collect the measures and then the measures don't behave in the way that we thought they would behave? And I mm. basically need to throw out some of the items or do something else with the measures. And then I think, yeah, 
then you rushed into pre-registering mm. a prediction when you did not do enough exploratory work or measurement validation work. Because your measure, you should know what your measure is doing in your population. I mean, I say that without doing it myself. <laughs> Completely true. I've yeah. also used measures. <laughs> well. where, because, no, but I mean, when we were doing this measurement validation project, so interesting. So we work with a real, I mean, expert, okay? Right. So uh -huh. uh, a, a collaborator. Uh -huh. And he, and in the first meeting, he just said, okay, so you want a measure for this? And uh, it's about the values, values that mm -hmm. scientists have. So, okay. 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 Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and this collaborator says, so um, whose values? Like older <laughs> researchers, younger researchers? Um, well, like, what are we talking? And we were just like, yeah, ev everyone. They're like, no, you can't validate the measure for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's not yeah. how it works. Yeah, no, it's very important. But I will actually say that it's not the researcher who was talking to you whose responsibility it is. It's a responsibility of the one who created and validated the measure to be very clear about which context is it supposed to be used in? With which populations have it, right? Yeah. Like they need mm -hmm. to really specify, hey, we meant it to be used in these contexts with these populations. Yeah. And if then you're going and using it with a different population, where then you're, then, yeah. then of course the, the results are not valid, right? So then it's, you're at fault. No, but I do think yeah, the original- Yeah, but we were creating it. We were creating oh, oh, the measure. Right. And we did not think at all about what you say, what was <laughs> okay. our responsibility. So you're completely right. I mean, but this thing- Do better, Daniel, we just, do better. Yeah, yeah. do better. I, I've learned, I learned an important lesson. No, but yeah. because I was just used to take a measure and, and run with it and right. just, you know, apply yeah. it to a completely different population or different mm -hmm. context and just assume it would be valid. And right. that's not how it works. But no. I mean, if we don't take that step, then you're basically putting yourself at risk when you pre-register mm -hmm. because you just increase the likelihood that you'll right. have to deviate from your pre-registration right. because you don't really know enough no. to make a good prediction about how your measure will behave. So no. it's very risky and you're completely right. So this exploration needs to happen. I mean, uh, right. it's an yeah. essential step. Yeah. And again, it's right. It's like if you're creating a tool you have to specify in which context is it appropriate, who should be allowed to write, mm -hmm. only like 18 and mm -hmm. above, right? You should, you, you know, it's, it's, it should not be yeah. allowed in all contexts. I mean, the one thing I will say here is that you could also do something if you're using a measure that wasn't developed with the same kind of population or you expect it to work differently, you could do something like mm -hmm. a conditional, you know, like another conditional step of like, which is which what I've done before is like, hey, we will, you know, use this measure on mm -hmm. these population, but we'll set certain criteria, right? If the item fit mm -hmm. is like misfitting over like yeah. certain thresholds are not met, then we will throw out these items. And then I think that would still be a more valid instead of later being like, yeah. oh, now we have to do all these things that we didn't anticipate. It's like, if you can anticipate some of those things that you can say, okay, if we find, if, if, yeah. the, if the results are not meeting these criteria, then we will, you know, throw out certain items yeah. and do, do some other things yeah. and stuff like that. The just I'm going to say one thing that just really annoys me, which is when people report the reliability of a measure from a previous study, because that yeah. is totally nonsensical. <laughs> OK, the reliability <laughs> yeah. is a function of the population, the sample in your data and not somebody else's data. It is just don't do it. Yeah. So stupid. OK. OK. Yeah. Very good. Right. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these conditional decision mm -hmm. paths are yeah. really important because right. if you did not spend all this time exploring, but you still pre-register, mm -hmm. then you have to prepare 
for some flexibility because right. your prediction. Okay, so according to the Groot, if you can't predict, you don't know anything, but you know something, but not enough. Mm-hmm. So you can predict a little bit, but mm-hmm. there might be some variation. So this this aspect of building in flexibility mm-hmm. that still makes it a much better pre-registration, but it also reduces the probability that you'll have to completely deviate from your right. pre-registration. Yeah. So exactly. exactly as you say, look, what we're going to do, instead of pre-registering, this is the way we're going to combine the items. Mm-hmm. You can pre-register and say, this is the method mm-hmm. upon which we will determine how right. we will combine the item, items. Right. Yeah. Another uh, area where this is very important is your sample size. Hmm. I was reading some papers about why people deviate from pre-registrations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I always saw these numbers, like so many people deviate, like it's really like people all the time deviate. I'm like, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I looked at the numbers and one of the main reasons why people deviate is because their sample size is not their pre-registered sample size, but in one of the earlier papers by Alina Klaassen, who's a collaborator of mine, so I we know her. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes, people did not meet the pre-registered sample size of 80 participants because they incorrectly assigned one person to many to one of the two conditions, oh and they had 81. And then I'm like, oh, okay. well, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And when the same paper by Alina mm-hmm. was first published and people wrote about it, I actually saw some scientists say, hey, uh, they're giving some examples of people deviating. One of these studies is ours. But look, we basically pre-registered. We would collect people Mm -hmm. from online questionnaires and we would aim for 600, but we ended up with 616. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we were using optional stopping. There was no flexibility. It's a deviation. Mm -hmm. But So this is an interesting one. And Hmm. what is the solution here? have some flexibility. Don't say 600. Say, mm-hmm. we're going to collect data using this procedure. We're going to mm-hmm. put it online. Right. We're going to, you know, uh, stop at this moment. And I think in this case, what happened is that they stopped paying after 600, but then a couple of people completed it or something. Yeah, I don't know how happens. it happens. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so just pre-register this procedure, procedure not the number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here you can even do a lot of, I mean, I've written some papers on sequential analysis. Mm -hmm. In sequential analysis, you can just stop early, but also if you overshoot your target sample Mm -hmm. size, you can do this. You can keep your error rate controlled using alpha spanning functions. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility possible, but pre-register the flexibility plan, not the number. Not the number. No, you're totally right. I completely agree. Do you think there are, and okay. So I totally agree with you that even if there's flexibility in the pre-registration, because of course there's, I mean, research is never that smooth. You should also, you should have sort of some contingency plans. Okay, if things go this way, we'll Mm -hmm. do this and that. And so somebody Mm -hmm. might criticize that as being, oh, but there's so much flexibility in there and it's not Mm -hmm. a valid pre-registration, which I don't agree with. And I think even with that flexibility, to me, the reason it still feels like a better pre-registration is because it shows me that at least you have thought about it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. have thought about, hey, well, these things could happen. And to me, that's just mm-hmm. a, g- a good researcher, right? Who's thinking through these things of like, <laughs> oh, we might end up like, I expect the data, I could go this way or this way, I don't know, but this is what we'll do in this case, which I think is yeah. it's pretty valuable to be able to see, okay, at least they have thought about it. And it's not just after the fact they realize, oh, something. Yeah. And we deviated, which is why I 
encourage, I mean, both myself and also if I'm mm. working with people, let's write things down. Even if everything mm-hmm. doesn't go mm-hmm. in the pre-registration, at least write down the logic yeah. of why we're making certain decisions throughout the process yeah. down, because then we will have some, otherwise you could forget, you could not remember why you made certain decisions, but you should at least log it for yourself to later be like, oh, that one wasn't Very just a random practice. decision. We thought about it Completely and we decided. Good practice. Right? Yeah. Of course. No, I yeah. mean, very good practice, but mm-hmm. we had a definition of pre-registration, right. which is this time-stamped document. Well, Google Docs are time-stamped. I don't know if you know, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, great, great. Uh, no, yeah. but, so there is this special function. Of, so are emails. So I, I just... Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's all good. It's all good. But I just want to clearly distinguish yeah. the benefit you have of just thinking carefully, right. which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, and which is what you're saying, and not just right. think, but write it down, because otherwise yeah, you'll forget. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of this versus pre-registering. So pre-registration is making this timestamp document that you can transparently share with other people. Right. The thinking you can really do it just by yourself. You mm-hmm. don't have to tell anyone. Right. I mean, if you do it in the well, form it, of a pre-registration, right. which is what many people do, yeah. lovely, mm-hmm. great. Use any checklist out there because they will guide your thinking. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, wait, I also have to think about data exclusion. What right. am I going to do? Yeah. Oh, maybe there's actually a lot of people that I have to kick mm-hmm. out. Maybe I should oversample a little bit to make sure. Smart, good, think about it in advance. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, But I just want to distinguish it from pre-registration right. in a formal term because you can do the thinking and have all the benefits of thinking mm-hmm. without then going to as predicted. Just right. if you skip that last step, you still have all the benefits. So just want to make that a formal distinction because I think it's important. But otherwise, yeah, you're completely right. Thinking things through in advance is really smart and right. it's maybe a little bit weird we need to, to tell that. people that they have to think <laughs> carefully about their, but here we are. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Um, yeah. So what do you, I mean, I'm sure, I'm not sure if you hear it because people are probably scared to tell you, but I still will hear people <laughs> say that. Oh dear. The, the process of pre-registration yeah. is a little sort of scary and stressful, especially for younger uh-huh. researchers because it's, you feel like you have to get everything right and you don't, you're mm-hmm. just kind of like getting a hang of things. And it is, mm, yeah, yeah. it does come up as something that sort of stresses people out, like, oh, everything has to be done just right. And I have to predict, you know, mm. do it very cleanly. Mm. And if it's not, then it's like, what do we do? Or am I going to be accused of, you know, is it going to be a data oh, collada yeah. post about me? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's great that you bring this up because it's very important that people yeah. are not scared of mm-hmm. pre-registering. And of course, I do understand that people feel that when you write down everything, it's also very transparent where either, yeah, you made a mistake right. basically or or you failed to think things through completely. Mm-hmm. And now now it's black and white. Now it's on a piece right. of paper, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's, of course, the question of what do you do uh, with the fact that you didn't write a perfect pre-registration, which we mm-hmm. might get to. But let's just focus on this scary part. So um, when I was a PhD, um, we didn't have pre-registration, but we had mm-hmm. something that basically turned out to be the same thing, which is a direct replication. And I actually thought when you talked about mm-hmm. being scared, I, I thought maybe you mean the result 
Because if it doesn't work, you don't have any leeway to get away ah. with actually claiming that your theory works. So I, I thought mm. maybe it's scary because, yeah, the result is the result. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. So this, mm. again, this idea of a severe test, you can't mm -hmm. get out of a negative result if you're just right. wrong about your theory. But what you actually mean is more relevant maybe for many people. It's just being scared of... Uh, transparently stating that you thought this was the way to analyze the data, but you were wrong about it, mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. Um, Dorothy Bishop has a very nice paper about this. Um, not just about this, but also about errors, just mm. making errors. If you share your code, mm -hmm. it will be oh, yeah. clear when you made a statistical mistake. So right. uh, her point is, the more open science practices we do, and pre-registration is a form of this, mm -hmm. the more transparent we are, uh, the clearer it is when we make a mistake. When you make mistakes, and, yeah. And and I think her paper might not have gotten enough um, traction in the sense of, yeah, young people are probably much more scared of this than I realize. So it's good that you mm -hmm. bring this up because I would be like, hey, I mess up. Ooh, uh, okay, just say <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's pretty easy for me to say. Um, right. But I think, yeah, you're probably... Um, stating something that many people um, are worried about. Yeah. So what, yeah. what should we do about this? Have you thought about what, what can we do about this? I Well, before I go into that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I do think that it's such a challenge across any time you're trying to do more open, transparent research, right? Somebody who's not mm -hmm. pre-registering, not sharing their data, not sharing their materials can get away with a lot more, right? Their mistakes will not be visible. Yeah. So if you're Doing these good practices, you're a making it harder for yourself to find significant results, yeah. and then your all your mistakes are up, you know, out in the air for mm -hmm. people to then criticize. And that's why sometimes it mm -hmm. bothers me when stuff like it's criticized. You know, people are ex you know transparent about what they've done and the mistakes mm -hmm. they've made, and then people hold it against them. I'm like, well, they could have just not told us. You know, you you do realize that, mm -hmm. right? They could have just not told yeah, us yeah. that they made this error. And so yeah, it's, I, completely right. I mean, one thing is just sort of a norm thing where we treat mistakes as part and parcel of, and I, yeah, and not to turn like total, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. pseudo psychoanalysts here, but I think there's something I've seen it in researchers more so than I see where mistakes are taken as a sign of, oh, like, how could you mm -hmm. be so stupid? Like, why did you not see that? It's like, well, you didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I di mm -hmm. you didn't, and that's fine. But to think of mistakes yeah. as almost like a failing, whereas mistakes are just part of everything, right? Mm -hmm. We're human. Do, do our errors to human, right? I mean, if if I would supervise a PhD student with a pre-registration and they were trying to prevent every possible mistake in a pre-registration, mm -hmm. I would tell them at a certain moment, like, okay, that's this is lovely, possible. but we are... Yeah. It, it is not possible and it's costing us so much time. It's right. not even efficient to right. try to prevent every mistake. Now, and I'm not saying don't try to write a high quality pre-registration. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we didn't even discuss what I think high quality is. But I would even say, for example, simulate some data mm. or go into your Qualtrics yeah. uh, questionnaire, type in a couple of, you know, type it in yourself a couple of times, download the file and start oh, to write Qualtrics your code. can generate test, uh, test responses for you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that, good. Yeah. All right, okay, interesting. So you let it generate some test uh, responses uh -huh. for you, you download the file, 
mm-hmm. and then you even already already Analyze write some data. analysis code right. because I can't think in advance what I'm gonna do. But if I have the data and I'm gonna mm-hmm. go through it, I'll be like, oh yeah. wait, yeah, of course, I'm I'm doing yeah. this test first, right. and I'm gonna do this plot first just to make sure that, and I would have forgotten to write that down if I didn't do it. So for mm-hmm. me, it's just like you know. Um, writing down the analysis code and especially if I have some experience in in a study I might mm-hmm. really know what the analysis is I do simple stuff you know so my analysis <laughs> yeah. are rarely yeah. very complex but so that would still be quite some effort I would say but even then there's a point where I would say look we really carefully thought about it let's mm-hmm. not spend another month trying to prevent some sort of thing that we will not see we will just make that mistake and then we'll just correct it I mean you know it's just how things go it's just how things go. Yeah. And yeah, generating test responses in Qualtrics is such a good, yeah, such mm-hmm. a good way of, well, A, just getting you started on writing the code and making sure, but also, I mean, helpful for catching errors, right? If you've accidentally coded mm-hmm. something or forgot to reverse code something or forgot, you know, things like that, you exactly. are, it's much easier to catch those little mistakes um, once you've done that. The other thing that comes yeah. to mind about what we could do about this issue is mm-hmm. making it easier for people to log the deviations from their Mm pre-registration and be able to provide the logic for it. And I think OSF has now started Mm -hmm. doing it where you can sort of, if you've pre-registered on OSF, then it will allow you to actually change your pre-registration and that will also be timestamped, which I think is a great thing, right? It's just one place instead of Mm -hmm. having one one document that's timestamped and then you can't change it, but then you have to write it in, you know, your results or in your paper. Instead, just doing it directly doing it directly in OSF, providing the justification for it. And if there's things you catch early enough in the process, then you, that, that will still be part of your pre-registration, right? Exactly. And and sometimes also uh, unforeseen consequences. So mm-hmm. we often are too optimistic. We are going to say, everybody wants to participate in my study. I'm going to get 7,000 participants. But then you're like, <laughs> okay, uh, we're not going to make this many observations. We probably yeah. will have to stop somewhere in two weeks and then you can mm-hmm. just write down like, well, we still don't have all the data. We didn't look at all the data, but okay, we're going to stop in uh, two weeks and then mm-hmm. analyze all we have there. Analyze it, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. another point. It would be another point where maybe you have looked at some of the data or not. So there's some trust in there, but we just said mm. that that's probably acceptable to a certain extent and yeah. not preventable. So yeah, updating things where you can update them, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, deviate, uh, like, writing down your deviations when you um, right. have deviated and and I think definitely think so this is something that to be honest we were probably a bit too naive about when I look mm-hmm. back to when mm, we wrote really? about pre-registration like mm. let's say in 2014 or something you know mm-hmm. I think that's the first time when um, Brian Nosek and I uh, edited a special issue with uh, replications mm-hmm. in social psychology. Yeah. It came out mm-hmm. in 2014 and, and these were registered reports. So they were all pre-registered. But this is the first time we were doing this on this big scale, right? Mm-hmm. And and then I think we were just thinking, yeah, you pre-register and then you've set everything down and you follow that and that's perfect. And, <laughs> and I think we underestimated how often you will need to make some changes, you know? Right. Uh, there's not so much flexibility less left as if you didn't pre-register, but you there is definitely Still way more that people have to do. Yeah. The many more deviations than you think in advance. And I think we're only now starting to see this mm-hmm. uh, and thinking about, okay, so what do we do about this? Yeah. And one of the, well, partial solutions to this that I really like is blind analysis, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is mm-hmm. such a great tool for, okay, you pre-registered something 
But then you get the data and there are some funky features of your data that make it necessary for you to deviate from your pre-registration. And we've talked about it before, yeah. but blind analysis is essentially mm -hmm. where you, you know, change some features of the data so you will not actually know the final results. So you essentially yeah. have the data set, but either some values have been changed, some labels have been changed, something has been done to maintain sort of the structure of the data and the properties mm -hmm. of, you know, all the data in its original format, what your final data set is, but you will not know the results as you're writing the code to analyze yeah. it. And I think that is so helpful. Well, A, yeah. from just psychologically to not sit there thinking about, oh, is it significant? Is it not significant? You know, what what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? It sort of mm -hmm. saves you from all that. But then also, if if you do end up finding that, oh, we need to deviate from the pre-registration because our data just looks different than we yeah. expected, then you still have one more chance to say, oh, we made these yeah. de deviation before looking at the final results. So we're not making those changes or those deviations because of how the results turn out, because that's the correct thing to do for, for these data. So Perfect, yeah. yeah. And I think this is so important that we start to learn how to pre-register, which feels mm -hmm. like you have to do everything very rigid and right. you have to know everything from the outset. But then we figure out how to build in methodological procedures mm -hmm. that still allow us to make good claims. We're not right. fooling ourselves, but we also have more flexibility. Right. And blind analysis is lovely because you can mm -hmm. just say, oh, oh, by the way, then there will be a step and we'll actually look at some stuff and we'll make some of the decisions right. based on the data, but right. without influencing um, the severity of our claim. Right. Great. And I think as we as we move forward and we learn more how to do this, I think mm -hmm. we'll start to see like, wait, pre-registration is quite a dynamic process if implemented right. very well. Mm -hmm. And not just this three months in advance, I'm going <laughs> to yell which kind of, you know, test to run on what yeah. and then, oh man, you know. That's it. Yeah. 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 And and hopefully, I mean, that also takes away some of the concern of people like, oh, what if I do it wrong? Because you'll have a couple of moments to double check some stuff and tweak right. without exactly. it being a problem. So that's also very nice. Yes, that is very nice. Um, but in your experience, like if I if I had to ask you, like on average, all the pre-registrations you might have gone through, are people mm -hmm. doing them like relatively well? Or like most of them are just, I don't know, you know, totally useless. Like what, yeah, where do you currently see the quality yeah. of pre-registrations, at least the ones you've seen? Yeah. I mean, if if we take it on this statistical level, right? Uh -huh. Because that's often I have to say what I, what right. I, I mean, not just focus on, but I think also what a lot of people write about. So they will just mm -hmm. say, look, we predict this and the theory part is not really there. So... Um, what you want in terms of a statistical um, severe, statistically severe test is mm -hmm. that there is not a lot of room for flexibility. So if you tell me something like we're going to analyze the data with an ANOVA, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I want to know, yeah, but okay, which type of ANOVA, depending on what kind of test assumptions are violated or not, but also, and then you're probably going to do some simple comparisons between the cells that mm -hmm. you have. And and what pattern is actually in line with your prediction of mm -hmm. those simple tests that you're doing? And people rarely specify all of those things, but those are the things their claims are based on. Mm -hmm. So what I want to know is when will you say that your prediction is supported, what has to happen really in detail 
And and really, whether your you know normality assumption is violated or your homogeneity mm-hmm. of variances assumption is violated, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, if you build it in the pre-registration, well done. If mm-hmm. that part is not in there, the flexibility is slightly less. But if you don't even say what the pattern of simple effects is after an ANOVA, then I really have no clue what you thought in advance, right? And then you can say, look, I pre-registered, but there's so little uh, information about what actually would confirm or disconfirm your prediction. That's very important. People rarely specify this, by the way. They rarely say, oh, and if we find this, then we were wrong, (laughs) which Mm. should also be in a good pre-registration, if you ask me, right? But I have a very high bar, but that's stuff that (laughs) I would like to see. And yeah, yeah. my high bar is rarely met, but Uh even a lower bar is often, you know, a lot of people see very vague fake things and then there's even a category where people just intentionally deviate from a pre-registration without saying so Mm. and there's definitely some opportunistic deviation going on as we saw in medical research we could have learned this from medical research they have outcome Mm. switching so they can pretend their drug works and we see that a little bit of course and they don't even mention it right and you Mm. i mean you also hear cases of people just pre-registering multiple you know Registering multiple mm. registrations just with slightly different, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, hypothetically, or have yeah. you ever? Um, I mean, I've heard of hypothetically this being a thing, but I've, I've never really I've, seen it or heard. I've it. never it seen be... it directly myself, but I've heard like secondhand of people go- saying that they Ooh. went into sort of. Yeah, you know, some journal okay. club or something, they're reviewing a paper and okay. they go in to look at the pre-registrations and realize that there are multiple versions of it mm. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't mm, seen yeah. it directly, yeah. but I've heard it happening. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think an economist <gasps> would predict that people would do this, that this is rational behavior. Right. And uh, if you have little moral uh, guidance and uh, yeah. you don't care so much about integrity, then this is rational this behavior. This is the way to go. That's, that's now what you need to get published. So, But that, that, I would say, is really problematic if people do it. Fake pre-registrations, I'm a bit more sympathetic for. Like uh, Then I just treat it as basically not so, not really not a pre-registered, test. which yeah. is... Yeah, and that's also why I like uh, losing the badges because for mm. me it doesn't really matter whether you're pre-registered. I mm-hmm. want to know was this a severe test, and I can mm-hmm. only determine this when I look at what you've written down and what mm-hmm. you've done in your paper, and how much flexibility there was. Mm-hmm. and And it's not bad if people pre-registered, but people should also be open to the fact that their first or second or third pre-registration is not perfect and that somebody might say, well, thank you for trying, but I am basically not counting this as a real, you know, pre-registration because it has so little information. And you already mentioned you like, yeah, yeah, I mean, thank you for trying, but there is some stuff that needs to be done. And also there were some checklists you could have followed um, that would have, you know, added a lot more information here Mm -hmm. than you have provided. And I have to say here that you already said you like the open science framework pre-registration more than the as predicted one. Mm -hmm. And although I'm very sympathetic for the as predicted website, I also agree. There's a philosophy behind it, which we might want to point out. Although I will say as predicted now has a new feature where if you try to pre-register a study that is very similar to a different pre-registration, it will flag it. 
So if you try to do like oh. duplicates of yeah, <laughs> just like slightly different, it will actually flag it um, and say oh, you I need to mention how they're related. And yeah, so I think it's a new feature that they just added. So that's kind of, you know, ah. that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but that's really on making sure that people don't do this you know, kind cheat, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But I think that the S predicted template itself mm -hmm. is uh, short and yeah. it even has some word limits in places. Yes. Word two, limits. Two, so you can't write like too much. It's a page limit. Like it can't yeah, be longer yeah. than two pages, yeah. Yeah, and and there's a philosophy behind it, and that is that they want it to be not too long, so that a reviewer mm -hmm. can check the pre-registration without having to read twenty-seven yeah. pages. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. On the other hand, I think that those two pages or whatever it is rarely are enough, hmm. and also by having a template like this, it is very far removed from what I would consider best practice. Really, because. Where's the button? Where's the button that says upload your analysis code? Like I, I mean, and the Research OSF box. of course allows you to do this. Research you box. can do this. I mean, you can you can just say this is my analysis code. Well, then then it's maybe not so problematic. Yeah, I mean, no. You know, Research that's box basically is what I want to see. Yeah, pretty excellent because it allows you to tie your as predicted pre registration to your. So it's all. It would almost be like an OSF repository. To have a research box okay. and then you can ah, link your pre-registration yeah. directly to that and add your data code good um good. yeah so oh thanks thanks for that i didn't know that and i think mm -hmm. research box is also a, a later addition so later edition yeah but it's great pretty recent, but then yeah. i'm fine i just want a place where mm -hmm. there is sufficient detail yeah and and whether that's written down or not but in the end this is still what i would want to check right and i will say I do like yeah. OSF, um, but it is so hard to navigate. Oh, my God. I wish they made the yeah. interface just a little bit easier yeah. to figure out. Still like it, but yeah, that's, as predicted, and that's a very good point. Easier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. So there really is a trade off. And in any case, you're right. I mean, people can, of course, link then to some sort of file mm -hmm. that says, oh, by the way, this is all the details of the code we run. And, uh, uh, you know, and even there, people can, of course, make some tweaks and deviate from the analysis code. But I really like to see yeah. some code if you can. No, yeah. And it's research. just so difficult to verbalize that, <sighs> yeah. you know. And the layout is really good because you can have, you know, study one, study two, study three. And it lists everything that is available, hmm. like the data, the materials, the code, etc. I should, I should try it out again. You should, should try, try it out. out. It's yeah. definitely nice. um, really mu much, much more user friendly <laughs> than OSF okay. and gives you like yeah. a full picture. It's I think they call it like, what do they call it? Like bingo something where it's just all in like a box and then you can see which things are available for which study. It's pretty cool. Um, but this yeah. brings me to a question of like, I mean, I, and I think you've done some work on this as well of like pre-registrations not being public. So you might have like, Mm -hmm. file drawing happening even with pre-registrations where people have pre-registered all this stuff but it doesn't there's no papers published about yeah. it there's no and i mean yeah. and i've yeah i was even going to ask you about the file drawer effect if we're pushing for no pre-registrations mm -hmm. for exploratory research but pre-registration right like is it going to lead to more file drawing of exploratory stuff um Mm -hmm. And and even and then yeah about pre-registrations yeah should they be all made public immediately or after a certain yeah. point or like what time when do we determine yeah yeah what to do with them yeah yeah those are interesting questions and I think definitely at the moment in psychology we're not at the point where like like they are in uh, clinical trials mm -hmm. where we have a database and everybody is just like I am gonna do a trial of course I have to pre-register it all yeah. the registrations mm -hmm. are 
public. Mm -hmm. And in this case, by the way, they even have made it so that you need to update your registration with the results. And that also prevents the file drawer. Like now now all all studies that are done are registered. You can find them and you even have... Uh, information about what they found so that is what assuming people do update that information exactly Uh, and they don't always Mm -hmm. but they have actually even they are able to uh, fine people if they do not update their registration good i think it's a fine of a thousand dollars a day oh my god you are late yeah and i suspect there might be some for, especially if it's, I think, government-funded research. I could be wrong about this, but I think if it's government-funded research, I do think there might be some regulations where you do have to report the results of whatever you found. Like, you can't file drawer stuff. Like, But but I could be, told, no, no, I could be I making think, it up, yeah. No, no, no. I think, but I think it's for all research on those registries. Mm-hmm. If Basically, if you want to publish it, you have to register mm-hmm. it. And if it's on a registry, the registry will just bug you and say, hey, you said you would be done after so many mm-hmm. years or months or whatever. Yeah. And, and enough time had passed and you have to update the, the registry. And I think there is something called the FDA trial tracker mm. or something. And it basically counts... Uh, how many people are late, which people are late. Wow. Uh, it, you can go to your own university and you can see, oh. hey, are there researchers <laughs> at my university who haven't updated it? And I think it well, even has a I know how I'll, I'll that be says, spending my Friday night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it even has a counter that says if they would actually um, administer these fines, it uh-huh. would be this much, this many billion huh. dollars by now or something, wow. you know. Uh, but because Wait, I think so they can they find, don't but actually... they have never find. Oh, no, well, no, they can, okay. but I don't think they ever have <laughs> yet. Hey, it could change. I mean, you know, yeah, who knows? Yeah, you owe us $300,000, yeah. Yeah, but but the, your question is, should we have this in um, psychology? And I think it's too early, mm. too early for this. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Remember, I mean, uh, yeah. in, in medicine, they started in 1997 making it voluntary. And then seven years later, they, the editor said, hey, for our journals, you have to do it. And it's not even for all studies, but it's for trials, certain trials. Um, but uh, yeah, what we saw, so we have a paper um, within NSYNC um, that we look at pre-registrations um, on the OSF because that's an important feature on the OSF. Mm-hmm. Um, different again from as predicted, by the way. Mm-hmm. On the OSF, the way that they solved this issue of people registering multiple things at the same time and then mm-hmm. picking the one that works, the trick they have is after four years, your registration will become public. And not a lot of people know that this is the case. But this is how you then can see, hey, by the way, you registered 100 <laughs> predictions. Yeah. Uh, just before this study. But what we did is we went into these registrations, very mm-hmm. old ones, because they had to be open after four mm-hmm. years. Um, so we looked at really the earliest, basically, registrations on there. And then we checked, have they been published? And how many of these studies mm-hmm. have not been published? Mm-hmm. And in this case, many studies uh, are just never shared, never mm-hmm. publicly shared. Not even, we also counted a preprint or we counted even a poster or something. But yeah, there's just a lot of data collected and we never mm-hmm. learn uh, about the results. So this is again the file drawer. It's not, you know, flexibility or anything, it's the file drawer. But registration by itself does not solve the file drawer. You have to either force people to update it or you have to do Mm -hmm. registered reports or something like this. Right. 
And maybe then as a final thing to discuss is this, um, uh, we talked about how to register, but at the end when you're done and, and we, we discussed some ways to have more flexibility, but in mm-hmm. the end, there's still very often some needs to deviate mm-hmm. from your pre-registration. Right. It's just going to happen. Yeah. And, and I was recently thinking about this. Um, in response to uh, listening to some uh, some other podcasts, for example, uh, like uh, uh, our, our friends in, at Quantitude, mm-hmm. had a, maybe a year ago or a bit more, they had an episode on pre-registration. Mm-hmm. And there they also talked a little bit about this issue of, mm-hmm. look, you can't pre-register everything. So somebody needs to say, what do you do if, you know, you have to deviate because right. you almost always have to. And, yeah. and it's not always bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is definitely true. So I thought... Yeah, and I heard this complaint again and again. And for me, it was always a little bit trivial, sorry <laughs> to say, but in the sense of we pre-register to mm-hmm. guarantee the severity of the test so you can deviate if the test is more severe due to the deviation. That can happen. Hmm. Um, for example, hmm, you actually end up with a larger sample size than you planned. Uh. I mean, it's maybe, you know, an unfair example, but if you if you don't do any optional stopping and anything weird, you end up with a larger sample size than you pre-registered. You just have more data. It means you have higher statistical power, which means you're less likely not to find something if you're right about your hypothesis or you're more likely to find it if you're right, which is just a good thing. So you don't have to be ashamed of ending up with a larger sample size. So it's a deviation from your pre-registration, but unless you, you know, try to do uh, tricky things. Um, yeah, I mean, my only objection, yeah, my only objection to that would be, but if you end up with a sample size much, much larger than what you pre-registered or something, right, then, you're, then mm-hmm. your likelihood of finding a significant result just increases, right? If if yeah. your null is yeah. like zero, null of no effect, right? Then it's just yeah. More you can also get trivially. Right. That's true. That's true. Right. So you still have to do something with the interpretation of the effect, but the, you're the not factor, you're not right. doing anything. Yeah, exactly. But you're not doing anything inappropriate right. by deviating okay. from the no, pre-registration. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Right. And um, yeah. So th- so that's just one example where mm-hmm. you can deviate and have a more severe test. But we also talked about these measures mm-hmm. where you might have thought like, this is how I'll compute the items. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, the measure is just not valid. Not and that valid. is, I think, the other main thing where you can deviate from a mm-hmm. pre-registration is the trade-off between the severity of the test, which mm-hmm. is the only thing we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that's really important is the validity of the inference. Of them, right. And basically, I'm I, I'm making this point that it makes no sense to mm-hmm. stick to your right. plan of combining <laughs> items in the measure if right. it is not valid. Right. So the second good reason mm. to deviate is where you say, well, look, I thought I would combine the items in this way, but then it's completely it unreliable. Sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it. I'm deviating. Okay. The deviation gives me a little bit more wiggle room because mm-hmm. now I can deviate in a couple of ways. Right. Not an infinite number of ways, mm-hmm. but a couple of ways. It's a little bit less severe, mm-hmm. but it is much more valid. So I'm going to do it anyway. And of right. course you should. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing is, if you just write this down, then I think anybody evaluating your mm-hmm. paper would say, yeah, you deviated from the pre-registration and I see no problem with right. this. But there's a valid justification for it. 
Yeah, yeah. And you accept the fact that there's a slow, small loss in the severity of the test. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. not like you would not pre-register at all. There's way less right. severity there. Then I can't even evaluate it. I don't even know what mm-hmm. you were thinking to do. Now I can right. see, oh, look, from all options, you decided this one in advance, but then you saw this. Now you have to... Yeah, of course you have to deviate yeah. like this. That makes sense to me. Okay, so you don't have a lot of flexibility to mess around. Fine, right? Yeah. And it is much more valid uh, right. inference. Yeah. So I think that hopefully also helps a bit, you know, yeah. with people not being too afraid of deviating well, because you can just say, look, makes sense. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, in the cases that you provided, yes, sure. It'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. we, something turned out not the way we expected and then... Yeah, look, of course, mm-hmm. we deviate. And it's, but I think for a lot of people, the worry is still that, oh, I should have done a logistic regression because my outcome was binary. And duh, like how stupid was I for, you know, pre-registering a linear regression? And now I have to do de- and, and and everybody's yeah. going to be like, oh, this idiot, right? <laughs> like but like things where you're like, oh, I should have known. Yeah, No, I know, I know. But, but this happens all the time. Right. And I, I mean, and I've that, looked that exactly at many- thing happened to me, so... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And 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 I've looked at many pre-registrations <laughs> right. and this just happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. And w- what did you do? Yeah, you made a mistake. Right. You made a mistake yeah. in advance. A mistake is maybe a harsh word, but I mean, you Oversight. you didn't think Yeah. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> and and there are different mistakes. Uh-huh. So there's like a slip. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just you can just say, oh, oh, I automatically wrote it would be like this, but I didn't think about it and right. I should have thought more about mm-hmm. it. But it can also sometimes be a, a knowledge-based mistake right. where you say, oh, at the time when I pre-registered, I didn't realize I didn't that when know. you have this right. type of data, yeah. you should actually right. do this kind of analysis. Right. Um, I mean, but let's, let's take the most extreme example where you pre-register an analysis plan. Uh, it's a longitudinal study. Two mm-hmm. years later, mm-hmm. you get to the analysis plan and some statistician has published a paper that says oh, we always did map. it like this mm. but we should do it like this now mm. then you should also deviate from your analysis plan all fine so you know if you made a mistake but here I would really not worry about this mistake because so many people do it mm-hmm. you know it's just so common like yeah. exactly this especially what is it with logistic regressions <laughs> but I've seen I've seen exactly this mistake recently <laughs> by the way yeah anyway so I would, yeah. Your you know, errors are not um, normally distributed, Daniel, when you have a binary <laughs> outcome. That's why, uh, but yeah. never mind. I mean, the results are probably the same, but it's not It's not the right test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and by the way, yeah. if that's the case, that's yeah. very, very nice. So uh-huh. if, if, you, if you're able to, so sometimes the original analysis really is just inferior that you pre-registered. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't do it then. I mean, some people say, should I then also just report my invalid test? You're like, no, if it's not valid, I would say, why? I mean, by all means, you can do it, but it's meaningless, it's pointed, right? Yeah. Validity validity right. should trump severity. Right. I mean, if it's just not a valid analysis at all. Yeah. Now, of course, this is also taking it to an extreme sense because often mm-hmm. a different test is a little bit better, but it's not like the other test is complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you can do both. And then if it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you can report the best test and then you have the convenience of being able to say, look, the other thing was also significant. I'm deviating from it. It's better. But again, it has zero impact on the severity of the test. It's a deviation from the pre-registration. It doesn't matter. The other thing was also... Now, that's, you know, a a convenient case. Um, But still, you know, just just take it on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. Tell me, how much extra flexibility did you get or how less Mm. severe is the test? 
Sometimes not at all. Sometimes a little bit, sure, okay. But what did you get from this? Mm -hmm. And often you get a better inference, better inference, of course, a more valid yeah. inference than you should do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure most people would be in a position to quantify, like, what if you say things like, how much, you know, did yeah. you lose in it? Like, it's like, yeah. uh, I don't know, Daniel, yeah. three and a half. Like, I no. don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lovely, that's a yeah. very good point. That's a very yeah. good point. I mean, sometimes you can, you yeah. know, like in the in the simplest case, you yeah. can say, look, I would have done this test, but otherwise this test. So I'm basically now in a mm -hmm. two test multiple comparison situation. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a type uh, one error increase and I can mm -hmm. actually quantify it. In many cases, you can't exactly right. quantify it. You're completely right. right. But still... So in your case, there's just a little bit of flexibility, mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. it doesn't matter a lot. But yeah. you could also imagine that people um, pre-register something um, with so little detail that they can do 20 different tests. Mm -hmm. And then in their pre-registration, they say, oh, by the way, we meant this specific analysis. And you're like, yeah, you had way more flexibility. So right. putting a number on it is difficult, but we can sort of say yeah this is a lot or not so much or yeah yeah I guess. Well, but it's a good point a and i don't exactly yeah. know yeah yeah and it's a very good point because i don't exactly know how it will play out we'll see and i guess we'll have some discussions in uh, among peer reviewers about it but nevertheless i think it's a step better than what we're doing now oh, which absolutely. is often treating all deviations equally as if they're a bad thing and they don't have to be at all so right absolutely and you're absolutely right there's i mean some other deviations that i did in my analysis from a pre-registration, but it was pretty clear that it made it harder to find a significant effect, right? Like okay. it would have made it. And yeah. then in those cases, it's pretty clear that we're deviating, but it doesn't affect the severity of the test. If anything, it's making it more severe. Yeah. So you should, Perfect. right? Yeah. 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 And if you then write that down. Right. Exactly. Perfect. Right. And, and what I like about it is that you're treating pre-registration not as a mindless tool right. that you're supposed to do. And if you don't do it perfectly, mm -hmm. you're a bad person or you're... Mm -hmm. No, it's a tool. It is based on a principle. Right. You logically reasoned, mm -hmm. I, I deviated from my pre-registration, mm -hmm. but actually what I'm doing is more difficult right. to get significant. So it's right. a more severe test. So it doesn't hurt my severity. Now, that is the kind of principled logical approach to it that I would like to see. Yeah. And hopefully people are a bit less scared if they deviate <laughs> from it because it will happen. So uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see how it develops. I, I, I mean, in other fields, it took decades right. to get all this stuff right. So we yeah. should definitely not think we'll, we'll get a shortcut to it. We will also go through these decades. Right. Yeah. 10 more years <laughs> and then we'll have it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ten, 10 more years and then we will look back and say, of course not. Yeah. yeah. In our 700th podcast episode <laughs> we'll be like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was a bit naive of us but yeah you're pre-registering and we're to, yeah exactly exactly 10 years that's your prediction we're gonna yeah. come back to it <laughs> yeah good sounds good to me yeah thank you for listening to this episode of milius in verba our theme song is newton's cradle by grand brothers if you have any thoughts feedback or comments you'd like to share you can reach us over email at nelliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we discussed the many issues related to pre-registrations and the importance of pre-registrations in increasing our trust in research findings. In the next episode, we discuss how a more trustworthy body of knowledge can help us build on top of previous literature while being sure that the whole edifice will not crumble. In other words, how do we build a cumulative science?
We hope you will join us.